Welcome back to the COS Business Podcast. My name is Andrew Hasley, and I am the host of the show. Today we have on Melanie Hicks. So, so, so with uh, In Pursuit. Yeah. Okay. So, what can you tell us a little bit about your business? Uh, uh, in a, like a couple sentences, maybe, or uh, maybe sure. a paragraph or so. <laughs> sure. Um, in Pursuit is a firm that uh, focuses on small to mid-sized businesses, nonprofits, and individual executives and entrepreneurs. We offer strategic planning. Uh, education advisory services and one-on-one um, -on -one executive coaching. Okay, sweet. Well, I can't wait to get into that more in this episode. I'm going to roll the intro music and then we'll get started. All right. This is a show where we have real conversations with entrepreneurs and business owners who are mostly in Colorado Springs doing things in the community of Colorado Springs. We're matching kind of, you know? I know. We're, we're, <laughs> I, I got the memo apparently. Yeah. <laughs> sweet. So how's everything going? Good, good. Really excited to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I, I just would like to let let the audience know that we actually met in Sioux Falls. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and that was the first and only time I've been there. <laughs> uh, as was for me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that was cool. That was for the Purpose Pioneers. That's uh, right. Uh, Thought Leaders Summit. Yep, and yep. Uh, And yeah, so that was cool. And and yeah, so has everything been since then? Good, good. So yeah, lots, is, uh, lots of things have changed since the Purpose Pioneers. I had a wonderful time uh, being able to work on my, my message and really articulate my story um, mm -hmm. at that event. And then since then, uh, as of January 25th, actually, my business officially launched here in Colorado Springs. So yeah. In Pursuit <laughs> has actually been around since 2009. Um, it started okay. really organically um, as I, I was asked to go and be a consultant for um, nonprofits that wanted, I was working in politics at the time and nonprofits needed some training for their volunteers on how to interact with, uh, the legislature, how to understand policy. And so I would do some of those, um, like workshops and things. And so it just not as a full-time organization, just as something that I did on the side for fun and networking and, um, and just sort of stuck around and it molded over time. I started doing strategic planning. I started working with a lot of entrepreneurs as a mentor, a business mentor, uh, just different things over the years as I had, uh, you know, another career going on. And in 2016, I decided I was going to uh, go after it a little bit full time. And I, um, I did that for two years. And then I got kind of recruited to join a, a big corporate, a national corporate consulting firm. So I put that on hibernation mode. And now we're back. So yeah. happy to be back a little bit. Uh, I did a rebranding, I kind of got really clear about the type of services I really love. And uh, now I get to do those things. Sweet, yeah. I was actually about to about to stop you for a second to fix the audio. I was like, "What is that sound?" But I think I caught it. Okay. okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's cool. So that corporate uh, working for the the national corporation was that was that exciting when you first got that news? Yeah, it was really. Um, it was a great three years of learning a lot about corporate America. Learning a lot about. I had an absolutely fantastic team. I was I was recruited into um, the company to run their education division. And so I got, I had a really phenomenal team of subject matter experts. We got to work with a lot of clients across the country, both school districts and colleges and universities and do a, a, just, uh, like I said, a lot of really interesting, really meaningful projects over the years. But over time, uh, my passion around kind of being in a more one-on-one -on -one and being more, as I progressed in the company, I uh, was sort of taken uh, off client work to, and was doing more of like the corporate uh, structures, right? The, the corp, the things that you need to run a, a big company, right? So mm -hmm. a lot of budgeting and financial analysis and planning. And, and I really missed that kind of 
face-to-face time with clients or even virtual in this case, but, but, you know, just the time, the really working with people and watching the impact happen. And so I decided to go back and, and revisit being a solopreneur for now and hoping to, to grow and, and eventually have a, a sm- like run a small firm. Okay. Uh, yeah. Sweet. And you're, you're fairly new to Colorado Springs as well, right? I am. <laughs> I am. Yes. I was born and raised in Florida. I lived in seven different cities in Florida and then, uh, met my husband in Tampa, but he, uh, had lived here for about 10 years before and wanted to move back. And so uh, we picked up in 2019 and moved to Denver first uh, while we were building a house here in Colorado Springs. And then uh, we closed on our house in March, right before the pandemic. Okay. (laughs) So we had a a lot of time to be in our new house uh, nesting because there was nothing else to do for a while. (laughs) So you guys, you guys, it was a fresh build? It was, it was. Well, we bought a, um, uh, it was a brand new house, but we bought it uh, a spec house, which is like they've partially built it, but mm. you're still getting it. Pre- like when we first saw the house, it was a foundation and some uh, <laughs> wood sides. But <laughs> yeah. they had like models that showed you what right. the house is yes. going to look like. Right. Okay, sweet. Yeah. I'm going to pause for one second because your audio does sound a little bit reverby and okay. I want to fix it. And okay. We'll just cut right here. Yeah. All right, sweet. So, so we're back. We're back. <laughs> <laughs> for them, we never left. That's right. That's right. <laughs> All right. So sweet. So. So starting this business, uh, how long have you, how, how long have you officially? You said it started technically in two thousand nine, but how long have you officially restarted it? So the official launch date was January twenty fifth. Although I had been working this um, year of this year of okay. 20, 2021, January twenty fifth, twenty twenty one. Although I had been working for probably around six months, kind of nights and weekends, trying to make sure that I was rebranding it properly. I I taught myself a lot of things in the process because I was trying to kind of bootstrap it and do um, a lot of the, I really wanted to understand a lot of the technical things. So uh, teaching myself a a lot about graphic design and Mm. making collateral and um, about WordPress and making my own website. Canva was a a godsend because I was doing it in a different program first. And it wasn't nearly as user friendly. What and were you so, using? Oh gosh, what was it called? Um, I've blocked it from my mind now because it was so not user friendly. Was it a web, uh, uh, online thing like Canva? Yeah, it was. It was very similar to Canva, but not nearly as user friendly, okay. and not not nearly the quality of um, kind of templates to mm-hmm. start with. So yeah, what Canva's I really, upgraded a lot. Yeah, over the years. what I really <laughs> like about Canva is they they give you so many templates, but they're all customizable. So if yes. I see something that's in like a pink and a brown, and I want to bring it into my color scheme, but I liked the way it looks, mm-hmm. it's really simple for me. You to can just even move it around too. Out, yeah, yeah, move <laughs> stuff around, change the colors, but like still get the general feel. And that's I needed that starting place because starting from a blank slate for me in a graphic design way is uh like overwhelming i'm not i don't have the eye i have i can take it's like i um uh when i lived in in tallahassee florida i bought a house and gutted it and like redid everything because i can look at something and see the bones of it and move stuff around but i couldn't just look at a piece of land and know what the house would look like without mm-hmm. some some templates somebody's got to show me some blueprints right and then For i can sure. say i don't want this i want this moved over here you know yeah i need the basics so canva really allows you to do that it's a great asset for business own, small business owners. i think i think it 100 is it's mm-hmm. it's it's great yeah. <laughs> yeah. we are walking advertisement for yeah our favorite our favorite easy to use uh yeah and i love platform. photoshop too uh, photoshop's uh i've been doing that for over a decade now uh, using Photoshop and really advancing it. And last year I took it to the next level and learned some of the, like the most cutting edge kind of techniques to use in that. And so I, I do love Photoshop, but I love Canva because Photoshop, you're building it from scratch. I mean, I'm sure yeah. you can download some some templates, but they're scattered across the internet. Yeah. And 
camp is just nice. It has it all in one yeah, spot. <laughs> yeah, for sure, for sure. So yeah, so besides uh, design and stuff, what else were you were you were you focusing on? So I really, you know, part of the the unique thing about in pursuit is really helping people align their values with their vocation. So this mm-hmm. is kind of our unique selling proposition. So I have a a, a proprietary um, or a copyright uh, method called the three E method of change, and in that design, we kind of go through these three stages and it can really be overlaid in a group setting in a, it's not just for people who want to change careers, but just if they, they just want to maybe be reconnected with their current job or they're looking maybe for, uh, to change a little bit about their personal life or, you know, I try to mostly focus on vocation and career alignment because that's where we spend so many hours of our, you know, living, breathing time. Um, so I really spent a lot of time kind of researching and writing and looking at the work that I'd done. I'd been a coach as a kind of a pro bono thing for probably 15 years, but I hadn't ever like looked at the progress and the methods that I had been using in a way that would be something that could be, you know, sold to people. Mm -hmm. And so I spent a lot of time uh, developing exactly the services that I wanted to offer that I felt like I was both good at and um, had experience doing. It was really comfortable and happy doing and then also developing this um, this framework, this three E method of change framework that three E three E. That's the comedy club. We I just know. Did. <laughs> I know. I saw that. I um. Uh, that was really amazing. Actually. Yeah. Except like, his is his names, Eric and his two sons. <laughs> oh, that's cool. That's cool. Uh, mine stands for the three. So the three E's are excavate your attic and um, eliminate your obligations and embolden your resolve. And it's kind of these three steps that um, to to kind of right size your life and and really get in touch with your values and your purpose. And how that plays into your everyday um, existence. Basically. What are the three? So excavate your attic, which mm-hmm. is mainly um, looking backwards, kind of reminding yourself the things that you might have uh, once dreamed about that you've put on the back burner. Or things that brought you a lot of joy that maybe you've just gotten out of the habit. Maybe you used to read a lot and then... Like pasta for you. Right. Like making pasta. <laughs> that's exactly right. Um, making homemade pasta something I never did, actually. And I always said I was going to do. And I... and. Finally, I sat down and, and started yeah, yeah, doing yeah. it, right? <laughs> uh, and then the second is uh, eliminate your obligations because, you know, sometimes unknowingly, we start to fill a backpack full of obligations that are really um, other people's words, you know, things that your parents instilled in you and and things that your mentors told you or your peers or whatever. And some of those things you love and you cherish and they're still meaningful to you and you want to keep them. But other times they either were really never really suited for you. You know, it was a, it was a hand-me-down dress that was always too big for you or so, you know, mm-hmm. uh, there's just things that we pick up along the way. You know, for, for example, I grew up in a, a wonderfully supportive home, but they're very risk averse. Uh, my father was a police officer. My mom was a teacher. They had, you know, 30 to 40 year careers in the same organization. Mm. So the idea of entrepreneurship to them is very scary. So a different kind of risk because being a police officer, that's kind of risky. It is. It is. But although we grew up in a fairly small town. So okay. I grew up in a, a, a small beach town so it was pretty in, chill. in Florida. So yeah. So the, it wasn't, uh, you know, kind of NYPD or, or even, you know, Denver PD or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it, you know, but I mean, certainly there was, there's a, a bit of physical risk there, but, but not a risk of whether or not the paycheck was going to show up or whether yeah. or not your job would be there in 15 years or 20 years. Right. Mm-hmm. And so this idea of entrepreneurship or making your own way and, you know, going out and selling yourself or selling your products mm-hmm. and, and, um, growing something from scratch is just totally foreign. And I had to kind of learn 
you know, uh, there were other things too, things from mentors about how you should do it or how you should market yourself. And at some point you have to get really clear on what of these things serves me and like resonates with me and is really true for me. And what of it was helpful and loving advice that someone gave me, but it really isn't true for me. And it's time for me to kind of let that go. Mm-hmm. And I think it's an important um, exercise for people to do because we end up picking up. I have a friend, she's an author. Um, her name is Jen Pasteloff. She writes, wrote a book called On Being Human. And she talks about when she was a waitress that she carried around such a large backpack that the cook staff would often prank her by putting items in her backpack because it was already so heavy that she wouldn't even notice that they put in a frying pan or a cantaloupe or something in her back because she already was carrying around so much stuff that she really didn't need (laughs) to go back and forth to her waitress job, but that they could, you know, add more to it and she didn't even notice. And I think this is a great... Um, illustration of kind of what we do with the things that are with the lessons that are taught to us right we sometimes we take them all in and we forget to let some of them go or to go back through it and say what if this is still useful to me this might have been useful on Tuesday or six months ago but it's really not useful to me today so why do I why am I still carrying it around mm-hmm. and so that's kind of an illustration. And then you also have other people putting stuff in your your back <laughs> right, people are always your, adding behind stuff to your you. back. <laughs> that's right, that's right. Either as a prank or, or just you know, <laughs> they hand it to you and you just put it in there because yeah. you know you're polite or whatever. Right? Exactly. I mean, yeah. <laughs> for sure. For sure. And so, and then after you kind of have done the work to look backwards and to look deeper inside you, then it's time to just get really brave about saying this is who I am. And sometimes being who you are is a little bit incongruent with what other people, uh, you know, think that you should be. Right, like. Um, there's a story in a book, uh, Stephen Cope wrote a book called the great work of your life. And he talks about this pastor who, um, I for, I'm going to get his name wrong. I think it was John, but I'm not really sure. But anyway, a pastor mm-hmm. who was pushed to be the head pastor, right? That's the top job in a church, right? The, to be the, the head guy. And that seems like what you should want a talented, smart person to be. But in the end, that's not his, it wasn't his calling. He really just wanted to be in music. And so he was never really happy being, like Sunday mornings when a pastor should be most excited about giving, you know, their uh, message to their people, he was dreading it, right? And all he wanted to do was go be part of the music. And so eventually he kind of shed this obligation to say, I have to be this person. I want to be this person. And I don't care if society doesn't see that as the pinnacle of my career. For me, I'm the most happy. And he ended up turning into this amazing choral director. He went all over the world, like, um, as a choral director, bringing music to all kinds of churches all over the world, mm-hmm. where if he had been a pastor, he would have been a pastor in this one little church because it really wasn't his calling, right? And mm-hmm. so I think that you have to get brave enough to say, you know what, even if what I want doesn't look like the the path that somebody else would want, I am strong enough to say it's the path for me and I need to follow it through because in the end, that's where you'll find the greatest success and the greatest happiness. So mm-hmm. so that's the 3E method of change in a nutshell. And nice. I, you know, it's a... It's a way of thinking about our lives and our careers, and it's good for groups, it's good for individuals, and it's just, it's really meaningful to me to be able to share that with people. For sure. So what does, what what is becoming congruent? So becoming congruent is what I call the movement. Um, So I'm writing a book called Incongruent. Uh, It's a, it's my trek through Nepal up to Everest Base Camp, um, but with a lot of reflections about different pieces of me figuring this journey out. So me figuring out those three steps for myself. So the things in in my attic that were that I had sort of forgotten brought me a lot of joy, right? Or things in those lessons that I had carried started to carry in my backpack that I, I didn't need, I needed to shed. So 
along this path to Nepal, which which I did in 2019. I um, guess those lessons are are conditioning. Is, is another way to put it. That's right. It's exactly right. Mm-hmm. Because you need to you need to be able to process them and digest them and then decide, right? You can't you shouldn't push away those things automatically because they could be very mm-hmm. helpful to you and you shouldn't absorb everything that is given to you uh you know without giving it some thought about. So it's good to take it in, process it and then decide what do I you know, what do I keep and what do I let go? And so, yeah, so the book Incongruent is um, my trek through Nepal mm-hmm. a lot with a lot of reflections on kind of looking back on on how I figured out this path for myself and how I figured out what was really important to me. Um, and so the Becoming Congruent movement is a kind of a, a group of people who care about trying to align their lives with their own values. Mm-hmm. So being a part of this movement just means I – you know, I've given some thought to what really matters to me and the legacy I want to leave in life. And I'm trying, it's a journey, right? It's not, Mm -hmm. it's not a destination. It's a journey, but I'm working every day to align those values and those purpose with the decisions that I make in my career and in my life Mm -hmm. and whatever. And so, um, I have a, a podcast myself called the Becoming Congruent Podcast. It just kicked off. I only have one episode so far. Um, Okay. I interviewed a, a wonderful colleague and friend of mine, John Dingler, who founded a nonprofit in Tampa that then grew to a social enterprise that now is growing to change a whole city. Um, and it's uh, I've known him for just under five years and, and the progress that he's made, and he has a long way to go before it's his full vision. But those are those are the type of people in the Becoming Congruent movement, people who say, you know what, I, I'm going to do the hard stuff because mm-hmm. it matters to me and to other people. Yeah. yeah. So... Did you climb Everest? So we trekked to base camp, which is um, 19,000 feet. So to climb Everest, you have to like hire a professional. Uh, it's very, very expensive. It's also very dangerous. And you have to have like professional equipment. And so you don't need to climb Everest to become congruent. <laughs> you do not. You do not. You don't, you don't even have to trek to Everest Base Camp, which is quite hard. Trekking yeah. to Everest Base Camp You said it's 19,000 feet? It's 19,000 feet. Which, it's which Pike's Peak, for reference, is 15,000 15, feet. 15,000 feet, That's right. the height. Yeah, yeah. And it's it's a 16-day it's a trek to get to Everest Base Camp because you climb um, up through... 16? 16. Oh, wow. So you, you climb up through... You hike for uh, anywhere between 5 and 10 hours a day, um, and you stop at the little... There's little towns along the way. There's no cars. The only way to, to get to it is there's emergency helicopters um, or there's yaks or f- by foot. So people live in these towns on the on the camp or on the way to the camp. They do. They do. They, they the, There's Nepalese families who live in the in the different towns and there's not much there. I mean, it's do not they like, have Netflix? <laughs> they do not. <laughs> they occasionally have Wi-Fi, okay. uh, but in, in one room, in one plywood shack. In each city, but th- you know it, it does vary. There Whoa. are, yeah, there there are um, a couple of little. There's there's difference. There's some very very um, sparse accommodations, um, and then there are some where you have a little bit. Some like one, uh, I, th- I guess it was maybe eight or nine days in, we got to a little a little town, and it had not only multiple they call them tea houses, multiple tea houses where people stay, but they also had a bakery. Like a little bit, and it had um, coffee and French pastries. Nice. And it was it was um, literally someone who had studied in France and come back to the the little town where they had mm-hmm. um, uh, grown up and opened a French bakery. So That's that cool. was a, a yeah. very a nice surprise after uh, you know days of, of trekking with you know no 
uh, there's, you know, it's not like there's showers or anything. You're just, you are not sleeping in a tent, which I will say is nice. It's a plywood shack. Okay. So you, you, you sleep in a sleeping bag, mm-hmm. but it's, um, you know, there's some walls there. <laughs> and it's cold. It's very, very cold. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It starts out very, very hot, actually. And okay. then it gets very, very cold as you go up. In, yeah, yeah. In, That's interesting. In altitude. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> not, not dissimilar to if you're hiking the bar trail, right? You can be at the bottom and be very, very warm and wearing a t-shirt and shorts. And by the time you get to, mm-hmm. you know. 12,000 feet or so, it starts to get pretty cool. Yeah, because that's so. kind of like base camp <laughs> for Pikes Peak. <laughs> that's right, that's right. Uh, exactly. Do you do the incline? I have not yet. But um, you've done Bar Trail, though. I've done Bar Trail. Okay. We did Bar Trail before um, the pandemic, and then we never did the incline. It was closed for a bit for some reason. They were repairing some ties or something. On um, the incline? On the incline. Okay. This was it when we first moved here in 2019 when we moved to Denver. Um, and again, it wasn't as close because we didn't live down here. We yeah. lived up there. And so... Yeah, so we didn't um, we didn't do it, and then the pandemic hit, and it was very limited. Well, for a while it was closed completely, and then it was very limited, and we just uh, yeah we haven't done it. And then it's been cold and a little icy, and I'm not that brave as it comes to uh, slipping on ice. I'm, yeah, I've done it a few times so far. Oh yeah, you're 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 a Florida Florida girl. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> so slipping on ice is still a little bit. I'm a little. Bit, my husband laughs because he lived here, you know, for about ten years before he moved to mm-hmm. Florida to where we met. And he he watches me, and I, I kind of tiptoe yeah. on the ice, like trying. He's like, "You could fall just as easily tiptoeing." I'm like, "But I feel safer if I yeah. do." <laughs> sure, sure, yeah, sure, yeah. yeah. Slipping on ice is something that I'm good at. Yeah, <laughs> no, yeah. I mean, I'm good at not slipping on ice. Oh yeah, yeah. Don't, you know, just, don't be good at slipping on it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's painful. I did slip recently though, and it was at the top of the incline on uh, this Sunday. Oh really? Oh, yeah, nice. it's at the top though, where it, there you weren't on the stairs. Yeah. And you know, it's interesting. Like, even if you fell, like you're, it's not like you're gonna fall all the way down to the bottom. No. Something would stop you for sure. You yeah. get a few steps down and like, you know. It's weird how the mo- momentum works too. It's like you, you just, you know, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Unless you have wheels attached to you. <laughs> right, right, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's cool. So so I like the incline. I, I do enjoy it. Uh, it is a challenge for sure. Yeah, I'm uh, looking forward to it. I'm, yeah. I'm very much looking forward to it. Yeah, so so with this uh, business, what, what challenges do you foresee coming that you'll have to overcome? So I think the, the biggest thing for me is um, – is a well there's two things. I mean one, growing any any entrepreneurial endeavor, right, is about making sure that you are uh figuring out your audience and really reaching them and I'm a uh you know, I like to test different ways to do marketing and different mm-hmm. strategies on that. And but it needs to feel super authentic to me. So I tried a few things when I first launched in January and immediately I felt eh, this doesn't feel like me and I really want the business to to represent me and and be authentic to to who I am. And so I quickly had to kind of, you know, change course and let's let's do something different and and I'm and it's been a little bit challenging with covid because I'm a face-to-face marketer like I like to just meet people and get to know them and build trust and um and I don't, you know, the way that the business works I don't need a I mean of course I want to grow but I don't need to have you know, a million clients. I need to have a small group of really mm-hmm. um, dedicated clients, right? You need to and go so, deep, not wide. Right, exactly. Mm-hmm. And so um, it that has been more challenging. I'm in a new city. Um, I had a really robust network in Florida, but I'm in a new city here, and, it, mm-hmm. and it's been, you know, COVID. So face-to-face is just starting to ramp back up, and mm-hmm. I'm really excited about that. I think that – so that's been a challenge, but I think it's, a, it's one that we're coming to, you know, slowly getting out of. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the other thing is a little bit of a personal development, right? I have – I'm relatively – I have been relatively um, more uh, – I don't know if shy is the right word or, or humble around social media and around kind of putting myself out there, my face 
I've, you know, I've always um, used like a, a branding that wasn't me. And, it, you know, rebranding this because it's so tied to my story, at least for now, I want it to grow and I want it to start being um, a broader, a bigger organization that has other people's stories attached to it. But for now, it's me and it's my story and it's uh, me connecting with people. There's a, a bit of a vulnerability there. You have to be okay to say, I'm going to put my face on things. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to put my face on my advertising or my brochure or my, mm-hmm. you know, I'm going to do videos. This was a big yeah. thing. Doing You're going to go on a podcast. Videos for social media. <laughs> I'm going to do podcasts, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, these are things and that- And stages, how's that? Is that part of the plan? Yeah, stages are part of the plan. Mm-hmm. I want to be on more stages. Um, I haven't done anything. I've done- a couple of virtual presentations okay. since uh, the leadership summit, but I haven't been back on a physical stage. But I, I want to yeah. do both of those things. I want. And for anyone that doesn't know, the leadership summit is is about teaching uh, you how to find stages, essentially. Right. And uh, there's another one coming up, actually. That's right in May, right? Yeah, in yeah. May. A little plug plug for them, real plug, quick. Plug for, <laughs> for Alex and the Purpose Pioneers. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I I think that uh, I you know those areas. I've been a public speaker my whole life, so it once I'm there. On the, once I'm invited and I step on the stage, I'm not. I'm very, very comfortable on the stage. I, I started doing theater when I was three years old and okay. um, and did that my whole childhood and worked at Disney as a character um, actor. Yeah, that's yeah. awesome. Yeah, yeah. So I'm very comfortable on the stage. It's the part about it's almost like selling myself versus selling. Like I've also been in sales. I worked in sales mm-hmm. for a number of years, but I was selling a product, right? Mm-hmm. Or selling a, a, a company branding. This is like selling. So this is yourself. a hurdle for you. It's, it is. Okay. It is. It's a cha- it's it's a challenge for me. It's a it has been fun to push myself and to you know I, I have to get over it right. This mm-hmm. is this is what I've decided to do and I something I'm really passionate about doing. Uh, but that was definitely a challenge for me to like reframe my own uh, mental framing of you know you are you, you know you need to put yourself. It's not narcissistic to put yourself out there when what you are offering to people is valuable to them. Like if, if it resonates yeah. with them and it, you know, it really has, I, um, interestingly enough, I was just having a conversation. I've had a couple of people, um, contact me out of the blue. Like I've, I've seen your post. I've seen, I do a lot of writing. So I've seen your writing, I've seen your post and it's mm-hmm. really inspiring. And there, I have a, a, like a follower in Nepal. I have nice. some followers from across <laughs> the country that I didn't know that they just saw something. And that, those little things, little nuggets will are the things that like remind me that okay this is I'm doing the right thing right that I'm I'm sending the right message I'm being authentic to myself I'm not you know I I don't want to make it the Melanie show it's that's Mm -hmm. not I'm not um but I do want to put out things that are uh empowering and Mm -hmm. positive and and authentic to me so that's it's it's been a challenge but I'm getting there (laughs) sweet I'm gonna restart these cameras real quick realign realign (laughs) That's a fun word. I like alignment. Uh, alignment, yeah. It's a trendy word. It's a buzzword. It's one of those buzzwords. It is. But I do. Is. I do like it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it aligns with me. Yeah. There you go. There you go. Yeah. I. I. So I kind of try to stay away from buzzwords, but I also don't care. You know. <laughs> well, sometimes they're just they fit the, the circumstance, and you can't really deny that. <laughs> yeah. No. For sure. So. So before we start wrapping mm-hmm. this up, uh, mm-hmm. is there anything you'd like to promote specifically today? Long pause, long pause. I love long pauses. <laughs> <laughs> it adds uh, drama or adds intensity. Yeah, <laughs> Suspense. Right. What is she going to say? What is she going to say? I know. <laughs> um, I think that the 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 best way to uh, support me would, would be to um, find me on social media and 
sort of engage with some of my my writing particularly or and if any of the story interests you or your organization is looking for someone to come in and, and work with them uh, you know give me a call let me have a conversation let me let me listen to your needs and and see if we're a good fit um, that's you know growing growing that network around particularly here locally around the the Colorado area not just Colorado Springs but the broader Colorado area is really important to me I, I really want to dig in and, and have roots here um, I also um, I do have my own, I have two podcasts. One is Dissecting Education, which is all these mm-hmm. great education leaders who um, espouse wisdom. It does not have the wonderful sound quality that this one has, but yeah. I'm working on it. I am working on I'm it. I'm actually upset because, you know, the quality just increased 10 th- times for you. Right. And like, I was like, yeah. man, the whole episode was without it essentially, but yeah, that's okay. It's okay. It's okay. We're going to do it. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. So I have um, if any education leaders out there or anyone who is passionate about education that would like to come and have a chat with me about education, my podcast, Dissecting Education is um, open for invitations. I have uh, probably about 20 episodes lined up so far. Five are published. Nice. I have about 15 more um, ready to record. And uh, But then the, the waiting list is there to, to get uh, other great educators and, and people passionate about education. If they're in, maybe they're in business um, or they, they volunteer or they're, you know, an active parent or something, even any of those, they all have a perspective and it's a spherical look at education in 2021. Nice. Well, sweet. Well, it was yeah. great having you on the show. Thank you so much. A really, yeah. really fun time. We we got uh, we got to get you on stage at One Million Cups. Yes, <laughs> yes. I will. I will make it my mission yeah. to to get brave enough to do that. Yeah. Okay. All you got to do is uh, apply too. It's it's very okay. simple. I don't okay. know if you've done it before, uh, um, but it's you just go to the website mm-hmm. and you apply. Anyone who wants to speak too, you know, who's watching this, maybe mm-hmm. that's all you got to do. Okay. Uh, just apply, and then they're looking to fill out for three months. You know, so they they okay. if you want to book, now is a good time because you know they just started getting back in person. Right. So, right. So Perfect. If, so I know when I first applied to 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 speak. It was when they had over a hundred people uh, at the warehouse, and wow. my application just got lost in the sauce <laughs> because oh, wow. they had a lot of people coming through too. Mm-hmm, so, mm-hmm. so there was there was that, <laughs> right? And so, so that's what I'm saying. Like, you, it's a good time it's now. It's a good time because it's just ramping back up. <laughs> yeah, huh? exactly. All right. All right, good to know. That's an insider tip there. Like yeah, it. and a little puts a little bit of urgency on it too. I guess. Yeah, yeah there you go. <laughs> Yep. All right, sweet. Well, this has been the COS Business Podcast, the number one podcast in Colorado Springs, Woo-hoo. or the best podcast. I don't know what you want to say. I like saying that just because I I, I believe that, but I don't want to make other people who have podcasts feel feel like, hey, we're the best. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're the best for me because it's the only one in Colorado Springs I've been on. <laughs> nice, sweet, fantastic. Well, we'll see you guys on the next episode, and bye bye. <laughs>